This morning's a little different. Uh, we uh, have some news to, to share with you from the, uh, the Board of Elders. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Rod Hostetter, and I am Vice Chairman of the, uh, of the Board of Elders. And um, the decision we have to, to share with you is, uh, will affect all of you. Um, so we didn't want to just take a five-minute blop of time in the uh, beginning of the service. We wanted to take more time to share some things with you. So that's why we're doing it at this time. The board has decided that this summer we're going to give Pastor Todd a leave, a sabbatical, um, for three months. And um, it's a time for, it's going to be more for himself. Uh, Pastor Todd has been here with us for um, 10 years, a little over 10 years. And uh, he has truly uh, put himself into the ministry and into uh, your lives. And um, the, the ministry, although I, I, I truly you know, believe that a, a, a person is called to the ministry, um, it, it is a demanding, it is a demanding ministry. And so um, we, want, uh, we want him to have time to um, focus on his own uh, spiritual life. Uh, most of his time here at the church is, is uh, focused on you and your needs. And as you uh, come to him for help and share with him, in a real way, your, your burdens become his burden. So he, he, in a way, carries the burden of each of each one of you. And I, I know that many of you sitting here have experienced uh, his coming alongside of you, and uh, whether it's at a hospital bed or if it's, uh, you know, a deathbed, um, and has helped you uh, through many different things through that through those periods of time. So we truly believe that it will be a time of strengthening for him and his family. Um, the, the months that he's, we're giving him three months of sabbatical leave, um, they will be June, July, and August. We have chosen those months because it's kind of a, a downtime for our ministry here at the church. Many of our ministries uh, take breaks over the summer, such as the senior, senior saints ministry and the men's ministry, the ladies' cafe, the Awana. A lot of those things kind of take a pause. So the summertime, uh, we felt, was a good, a good time to, uh, to have him uh, take this. So if you have any questions at all, um, you just uh, feel free to, to ask me, and uh, I will see if I can uh, answer those for you. I just want to give you some details <clears throat> yet, what this means and looks like for the church. <laughs> um, 
Pastor Dustin is going to fill in the the role of of, of lead pastor. Uh, the youth ministry and children's ministry kind of take a break over the summer too, and we don't want to overload him. But he is going to do most of the preaching. Um, Dale Morton and maybe some others will fill in. We also through the summer here have. Uh, uh, at least two missionaries coming home from furlough, the Sudex and the Ishlers, and they will be taking a Sunday to fill in. So we will still have church. <laughs> uh, Pastor Dustin is more than capable of uh, of taking this responsibility, and uh, we. Uh, Look for it. It'll be a break for you, um, and it'll be a, a, a break for Pastor Todd. Um, as far as um, your contacts, what we're going to ask is that if you have need pastoral care or you have a need. Um, we ask that you would either um, call the church, email the church, get a hold of Pastor Dustin or myself if you have a, if you have a need. Um, we we want to uh, relieve Pastor Todd of of those responsibilities too. If a situation comes about that is an emergency or is something more dire. Um, Pastor Dustin and I will decide if we need to bring Pastor Todd in, or if he would want to to be involved in that. But we're we're trying to to, to separate him from the ministry so that he can focus on his own uh, spiritual life and his spiritual walk. Um. Okay, what does this mean for you as far as contacting? We we would we know that there's many, and Pastor Todd has formed many relationships that are kind of outside of the church ministry. And are we asking you not to bother him? No, we're not. Uh, we we still want you to have contact with him. All we're asking is that you just don't talk about church stuff. You know. Talk about the other stuff that you like to do together, and and uh, and, and that that will that will be fine. Um, again, if you have any questions, uh, let me know. I I I just like to give you this as I as I finish here. Um, I I wrote down. Uh, <clears throat> five, five things here that I'd like you to, to, to pray for Pastor Todd during this time. And if you have a pen and pencil or paper, just write down the, the, the verse of, of Colossians chapter one, verses nine to twelve. Um, 
This is Paul. Paul has within here the prayer that he had for the Colossians. And um, there's, there's five things I want you to pray for. And we should be praying these all the time. But we'll pull them out here. One is to ask God to give Pastor Todd a complete knowledge of his will. For today and for going forward. Um, that's, that's very important as God, God lays on pastor's heart's direction for the church. And, and we, we, we pray that this would be a time of, of God showing him his will, not only for himself, but for the ministry. And that's, that's very important. This, this sabbatical isn't only for today or this year. It's for the years to come, I believe, as we as we uh, look to God to meet our needs. And um, the, the next one is to give, to give Pastor Todd spiritual wisdom and understanding, that he may truly understand God's word and what, what, what God would have for him and what God is doing in his, in, in his life. <clears throat> the third one is that he will grow as he learns to know God better and better that he would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and the fifth one that he will be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might that he would be renewed and refreshed we're, we're calling this sabbatical a sabbatical of rest and rejuvenation or refreshing um um just just to be empowered um, for years of ministry and uh, we want uh, we, we we want a healthy pastor um, I was thinking about this as I've been studying Sunday school uh, class and been looking at the the judges and how the children of Israel you know what they they, they went as their leaders went. <laughs> If they had a strong leader, it seemed like the nation got stronger. If a weak leader came along, it seemed like the nation just fell into sin and strayed. And I don't care if you're talking about the home, if you're talking about a business, if you're talking about the church, if you're talking about a nation. You are no stronger than what your leaders are. And we, we, want, we want strong strong leaders and, and so pray that pastor todd be strengthened in, in his spirit and that god would do a work in his life he's going to come and probably share some more about uh, the things that he has so we look forward to this time uh, it is with some anxiety <laughs> um, we've been without a pastor before uh, in between pastors but it's been a long time and and uh, we uh, we have never done this before as a church. Pastor Todd has never had a sabbatical before, so we're in new territory. Um, but uh, we we really we really believe I, I truly believe that uh, that this will be something that will help us in years, not only now but in years to come, and. Uh, 
I don't know about you, I want to see pastor here for another 10, 20 years. I do. <laughs> uh, some, <laughs> some, yeah, whatever, <laughs> 40. I don't know how long he's going to go. But, but uh, you know, we're, 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 we're blessed as a church. If you look at the averages of pastors' times at churches, it's like four years. Um, so we're blessed that he's here. And, you know, God doesn't only put spouses together. I really believe that God puts pastors and churches together. And God has been, I mean, past, Pastor Todd has been a good fit here. Um, since he is here, we've seen the ministry grow in many different areas. And um, all I can say is glory to him. It's, it's all because of what God is doing. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, You're stuck with me for a couple more weeks. So um, I I was thinking when Rod was sharing, and Rod, thank you for um, not just what you said, but for your heart and what you said. Um, That has been evident throughout this process, and I'm grateful for that. Um, But he he was talking about how, you know, it... it, (laughs) It's good to take a break sometimes on my behalf and and also for you guys. Sometimes you need a break from guys like me, so that'll be good. So this is a hard message to share. We had talked many weeks ago about how we wanted to um, share this information with all of you. And and because of April being the the month that it was with um, Easter and then Pastor Dustin and I were away at a conference and just some of the timing issues, we thought, well, let's... Let's aim for May 1st. It'll give us a month uh, until the sabbatical would begin. And I was, I was drawing my thoughts together. Um, you know, it, it's a hard message because it seems so personal. And yet, I think there's a lot for all of us to learn. There's a lot that I'm looking forward to learn. But I also pray that um, some of these principles that, that the scriptures talk about, about rest and, and rejuvenation and, and those things will apply to your life as well. Because I, I think in many ways, we all draw from the same um, example of the kind of busy world that we live in. There, there's a lot of pressure around us to always be going and doing and planning and thinking and, and, and those kinds of things. And so, you know, just trying to internalize some of these things for, for myself, but also Maybe be a model, an example, uh, if this morning you're struggling to get a sense of what does rest look like? What does, what does it mean to slow down? And, and you know, I'm not quite there yet. I'm, I'm thinking in my brain about those things, but it's hard for a brain like mine to just kind of stop and turn that off. Um, but I also see how it is necessary now, if you're familiar with a car dashboard, and Levi, this is going to be for you too, because you're going to maybe be driving this summer, Lord help us. Um, you know that the most dreaded light on the dashboard is the what light? 
the check engine. It's usually red or orange or yellow. It grabs your attention. You know, I think they picked colors of fire because they, they want to impress upon you. If you don't check this out, your car is going to blow up. I, I don't know. But, you know, what happens is, um, you know, we, we see the light and uh, we often, eh, we'll ignore it, right? How many of you have put, like, black electrical tape over it and said, eh, well, you know, we, let's just get it inspected, get it through, all those kinds of things. But often before the dreaded check engine light comes on, there's a, another light. Sometimes it's a wrench. Sometimes it's a little yellow triangle. It's a, a maintenance reminder. It's the pre-warning. And, you know, when that light goes off, it's drawing your attention. The car's drawing your attention to something like, hey, just keep your eye on this. Uh, make sure you're aware of, um, you know, a potential hazard down the road. And so, you know, these are not suggestion lights. You know, when they engineer a car, and I know some of you might, you know, get into your conspiracy theories with emissions and all that kind of stuff now and say, ah, they're just trying to get us to spend money on catalytic converters. No, they're, they're lights that draw our attention as a reminder that some kind of attention is due to a certain area of the vehicle. If you ignore the wrench long enough, the engine will, light will come on. And if you ignore that light long enough, good luck finding a new car these days because it's really hard. Now, I just want to take a moment and I, I want to say that there aren't any check engine lights on right now, at least that I'm not aware of. I mean, you can ask Angela... Um, you know, we, we've gone through, and if you remember, if you were with us in October, Pastor Dustin and I did a, kind of a panel up here. Um, you, I kind of shared some thoughts over the last few years of ministry. They, they, they were strange years going through a pandemic and hiring and uh, leadership transitions, things like that. So those weren't easy things. Um, but as I stand here today, I'm not sensing any kind of danger, like stop the car, get off the road, jump out of the car, it's going to blow up kind of thing. Um, And and I think it's in that way that as uh, the elder board has been discussing this and praying through this and some of the the help that um, we've been looking at, whether it's outside resources, things like that, it's just been a reminder to me that the care areas, you know, the, the maintenance kinds of things are just as necessary as the critical things. And I'm grateful for the care of the elders in showing and providing space for me to, re- uh, to rest and to listen to the voice of God. And you might say, you're a pastor. Isn't that what you do? You listen to the voice of God. I do. Um, I mean, I, I try to at least, but when you spend the bulk of your time preparing for a message or a Bible study or uh, a counseling situation and, and, you know, you're pouring out and you're pouring out and you're pouring out and you're pouring out, it's kind of like this bottle of water and I, don't worry, I won't pour it on the ground. It only holds so much. And when you keep pouring to the point where there's not a lot left, it's good to have that space to just listen and, and to be poured into. And so I'm grateful uh, for the elders to, th- that they're aware of my soul care too. Um, that, that's a big thing. 
when I read in Scripture, I have a hard time with the concept of rest because my brain is always going to the next thing we have to do, the next thing that's coming down the road, the next ministry to plan for, the next situation that we have to face, all those kinds of things. What am I going to teach next week? Or, you know, even I've been given time off for vacation, and, and I'll go away for a week, and you know, it's usually Wednesday or Thursday of that week when, you know, the waves are crashing, and I'll be like, okay, you know, when I get back, these are the things that I'm going to have to do, and these are the meetings that are coming down the road, and it's just hard for me to shut my brain off sometimes. It really is. Uh, you can ask Angela that, and she will verify. Um, but what I've realized is those moments come very quickly. They, they come and go very quickly. And so when I look at the scriptures and, and just try to distill some of these principles that are in God's word about rest and rejuvenation and really why, why did God call us to this? Um, I want to share some of those things with you this morning because I, maybe you're in a state of busyness, hurriedness, and you can't even remember what rest looks like. Like even today, today might be a day off for you. It better be, or your boss is going to remind you that, hey, why weren't you in work right now? But you might go through days on the calendar where you think you have space marked off for different things. But what I've realized is I can often make that time that is marked off for other things, busy things. Like I'm busying myself just with something else. And I don't always, in those moments, stop to listen to the voice of God. Um, And and so uh, that's one of the big goals for me, and I pray for you. Um, We talk about, you know, a sabbatical, and at the root of that is this concept of Sabbath, And I think the concept of Sabbath is uh, a biblical concept that at least we're familiar of. Uh, We first come in contact with it in Genesis 2. Genesis 2. Right? Genesis 1 is big picture creation. Genesis 2 is uh, God drilling down to the details of the days of creation. And we all know that on the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. A couple of concepts to think about here that, you know, for me, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around this. We have an omnipotent God. He's all powerful. God can do anything, and he did. He spoke, and creation came into existence. And yet God took time to rest from his labors. The Lord does not grow tired and weary. And praise God, he doesn't. But he also took time to set an example and model for his creation the principle of rest. And what Genesis 2, 3 tells us is God sanctified it. To sanctify it means to set it apart. And that's why if you're old enough to remember the old blue laws that many communities had, what happened on Sundays 30, 40, 50 years ago? Could you go shopping? Could you go to restaurants? Was there sporting activities to attend? No, 
Nothing. It was just, you, you went to church if that was your desire, and you went home and rested. And we've lost that sense of rest. Um, and, and for me, that's a hard concept because I like to do. Um, I, I like to have something on the calendar to look forward to. But I've even found, even if there's something on my calendar for a short amount of time on a day off, my mind will be fixated on that thing that might be in a short amount of time on my day off, and I really don't get to enjoy much of the rest of my day off. And so, Genesis 2, God sets a precedent. And then, we read in Exodus 20, and this is the Ten Commandments, right? We call this the Decalogue. These are the the commandments that God gave Moses to write down on the tablets of stone to share with the people of Israel that would be the arrangement of the relationship that God would have with his people. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is the fourth command. If you've been here and seen me do the Ten Commandments with my fingers, the fourth one is always easy because your thumb is resting. You know, and so it's the fourth command that teaches us, remember the Sabbath day. What Sabbath day? what God did in Genesis 2. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now what's interesting when God said these things to Moses, when he said them, it was a time when Israel had just left bondage as slaves in Egypt for 430 years. There was no rest. He calls them, leads them, moves them into a land that he has promised. And along the way, he stops and says, I want to help you understand the kind of relationship that we're going to have. And the first three commands of the Ten Commandments focus on their relationship with God. The final uh, five commands focus, or six commands, focus on their relationship uh, with others. And sandwiched in is this command to rest, It's like the bridge that holds the relationship with God with the relationship of people to remember the Sabbath day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. Just as a side, who has dishes tonight? It's not one of the kids, right? I don't want them to go home and say, listen, Exodus 20 says that I shouldn't do any work. Um, You still need to respect mom and dad. That's one of the Ten Commandments too. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Made it holy. Same word as sanctified. Set it apart. It's different. We should have a day that is different than every other day. Day. Now, what's interesting is those are Old Testament commands, and I can read other passages like in Deuteronomy 5 where the Ten Commandments are uh, shared again. Um, some might say, well, that seems legalistic. That's Old Testament law. We're not bound to the Old Testament law. So, you know, what do we do in an age of grace when we have the New Testament example? What's well, interesting what Jesus said about it in Mark chapter 2. 
because there, the, him and his disciples were out and about. And if you remember the story in Mark 2, they're walking through the grain field and his disciples grab some grain to eat. And the, the Pharisees caught them on it and challenged Jesus and said, they're working on the Sabbath. And what did Jesus say? And this is just a summary statement, right? Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What Jesus says about the Sabbath is the Sabbath isn't the starting point. And then we make a big deal about that. God made the Sabbath for man, for us. Why? Because God knows it is hard for us to slow down and rest. He knows that in our sin nature, and he also knows what's wired into us to cultivate and work. Because Genesis 2 is before Genesis 3. It's before the fall of man. He knew that he needed to tell his people, you've got to slow down and smell the roses. And more importantly than just slowing down from the, the effort and energy of the day at hand, you need to slow down so that you can hear me. And so when Jesus talks about the Sabbath, he says, listen, the Sabbath was made for man. It's a tool. It's a space. Man isn't made for the Sabbath. It's not like it's this construct that we, uh, we need to blindly follow in a religious sense, like, oh, no. God gave the Sabbath as a boundary around our work to remind us that our identity is not found in our work. One of the things that I've been processing, and if you go in my office right now, there's a stack of books that keeps getting bigger of books that I'm going to be reading on my Sabbath or a sabbatical, um, is this reminder that my identity as a child of God isn't rooted in my performance as a pastor. And I wrestle with that question a lot because I look at performance. I look at the end result. I look at, you know, um, all the things, whether they are true or not, of numbers and size and quality versus quantity and wrestle back and forth of, okay, am I that approved workman that God wants me to be? And what I need to remember is because of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross, God already approves of me. But I need that time to kind of rest in that. The Sabbath for us, all of us, was given in the example of the one who Sabbathed first. God rested. And as image bearers of him, the Lord delights when we rest in him. Now, the concept of Sabbath is countercultural to a society like ours that is nonstop, always going, and it's always replacing the demands of work with the demands of delight. It's really where we find ourselves. There doesn't seem to be middle ground to just stop and rest and listen to God. It's either the demands of work or the demands of delight. And some of you, in a good way, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is terrible, you're thinking about your summer schedule and the, the demands of delight. 
vacations and trips and traveling and reconnecting with people and all those kinds of things. Uh, Those are not terrible things. But how many times do we actually stop to slow down our lives for no other reason than to hear God's voice? And that's really why the Sabbath is given, to stop and pause and delight in Him. For God alone can satisfy the soul's demands. Now, in this New Testament sense, the church is not called to Sabbath as the nation of Israel. But the principles are there for us to come and rest in Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I would say that that's been my desire as a child of God is to to find my rest in Jesus. And I also realize is that as a servant of Christ, that there are those moments when the ministry preoccupies my resting. And and I hope that you understand that I take that seriously, my call for your life, um, to, to care for you, to shepherd you and to encourage you into Christ's likeness. Um, and, and for us, as we serve in ministry and serve the one who is the head of the ministry, it's a reminder that let's do things for the glory of God. God calls us to that. But let's not forget that in our doing, that we stop and hear his voice and that we just feel that shepherding care uh, that he provides. One of the dangers that I've experienced, and some of you may experience, and I've kind of noticed this uh, everywhere I've served, I've been in ministry 20 years now, um, is that because it's so easy to attach value in what you do, then in the silent moments, um, it's hard to, to, to say, yeah, I know rest and quietness is good, because we don't really see a lot of results externally from those times. And Jesus experienced that uh, in his life and ministry. In Luke chapter 10, this is the all-familiar story of two sisters. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. I mean, the table's not set. The, the vacuum needs run. Nobody cleaned the bathroom. You know, all those kinds of things. And the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. And I just love the tender response of Jesus. Luke doesn't indicate that when he said Martha, when he replied that it's Martha explanation point. It's Martha, Martha. Like he's inviting her to consider the big point of this. You are so worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And what did Mary choose? Not to avoid work for work's sake, but to stop and sit and listen to the voice of Jesus. 
There what, we couldn't have a ministry like this if we didn't have Martha's and we didn't act like Martha's at times, right? That's important. But we also need to stop and listen to the voice of Jesus. So take time, take, take regular time to stop and listen and contemplate. Can I encourage you, don't be too busy on your Sabbath. Whatever day that is, if it's Sunday, if it's Saturday, if it's a Wednesday, whatever time that is that you can set aside to hear the voice of God, do all that you can to protect that and not be too busy. Now, there's, there's that sense of sabbatic, or Sabbath rest, but then there's also an Old Testament picture of a longer rest, a, a longer set of time example. Um, in the Old Testament, God built into the longer stretches of the calendar of the nation of Israel periods of time of extended rest to cause the national and economic uh, busyness of Israel to come to a stop. Not slow down, but come to a stop altogether. Israel had a built-in calendar of festivals that caused them to slow down and rest. Leviticus chapter 23 indicates this. It's in Leviticus 23 that we're invited to see uh, three primary feasts or festivals that Israel was to celebrate. The first is Passover, or what is sometimes called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The second was the Feast of Pentecost, or what is referred to as the Feast of Weeks. And finally, there was the Feast of Tabernacles, or Booths. And that was a picture of God's providing for them as they were in tents going through the wilderness. The nation of Israel had these three festivals that they celebrated, and these national festivals were longer, and they often required Jewish people to travel long distances to celebrate these memorials. They would sometimes have to go to Jerusalem. And that's what's so interesting about the Passover in the Gospels as we go through the Passion Week of Jesus. There were Jews from all over the known world that made the pilgrimage back to Israel to celebrate these Passover's feasts. And so it was a memorial or a reminder of what God did in delivering the people from Egypt. And what we see, like Simon of Cyrene traveled from North Africa some 1,100 miles to be in Jerusalem for the Passover. And oh, by the way, he met Jesus. But it's not like he got on a Concord airplane, left at 9 o'clock in the morning, was in Jerusalem, wheels down at 10 a.m., went to lunch in Jerusalem, and then jumped on the plane back and took a day off of work. He had to slow his whole life down for that to occur. And that's really a, a bigger principle that we see in God providing these spaces for them to celebrate God's faithfulness as a group of people. Two chapters later in Leviticus, in Leviticus 25, we're reminded of another rest that God provided. And this solemn rest was for the land every seven years. There was the seventh year Sabbath rest. They would work the ground for six years. On that seventh year, they had to cease working the ground and let it return to its natural state 
so that the animals could be cared for, so that the poor could be cared for, all those things. They were called to stop their labors. And remember, this is B.C. ancient culture. They didn't have a tech industry. There wasn't a large commercial industry. It was largely agricultural. And if they had to let the land rest, basically God is giving them a year off from their work. Built into that in Leviticus 25 was that every seventh, after seven cycles of Sabbath years, there was what was referred to as the year of Jubilee. And on the 50th year, the nation got another year off. So they just ended one at year 49. And when they entered the year of Jubilee at year 50, they got another year off. They got two years off. It's crazy. But built into Leviticus 25 about that amount of time off, what God says is, if you trust me, I will provide for you and nobody will go hungry. But the nation of Israel needed to trust God. I thought it was my phone. That sounded like my ringer, and I'm like, (laughs) extended rest is good because it is God's idea. Now, can I ask you, when was the last time you took time to listen to the voice of God for an extended period of time? And, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to um, in this process, uh, because one of the things we discussed as elders is this isn't just for me. It's an example and a model for ministry is that we provide space for you. And I'm excited to learn what it looks like to go through a process where we can take time, extended time, to stop and listen to the voice of God. Um, The danger is what happens when you don't rest. Now, in 2 Chronicles 36, this is the end of the Old Testament history. In 2 Chronicles 36, this is Jerusalem has just been sieged and taken away in captivity. Those who had escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and they were servants to him and to his sons into the role of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation, it kept Sabbath until 70 years were complete. Part of the reason why Israel was judged the way that they were is that they forgot and failed to keep the Sabbath. And God's like, listen, if you're not going to trust me, trouble's coming. And they were taken away for 70 years, which corresponds for the amount of seventh years that they had skipped because they chose not to listen to the voice of God. It's important to note that in all of this, Sabbath, sabbatical years of rest, all those kinds of things, that the joy wasn't to be found in the letter of the law, but in the one who gave the law. God provided built-in rest 
because he knew his people would be tempted to keep doing what they always do. And as a result, often forget him. Times of solitude prepare to recharge leaders in Scripture. We see this in many places. Moses, 40 years, he was tending goats. Now, goats aren't a bad thing. I know we've got some goat people here. I don't want to offend you. What I'm saying is he lived in Egypt, right? He murdered the Egyptian. For 40 years, he lived in the wilderness. And then God showed up. And when God showed up and spoke to him in the burning bush and said, I want you to go back. I'm going to give you the words. I'm going to tell you what to say. I'm going to give you the power to do it. He then led those people through the plagues that were miracles by God. Israel was set free. They're on their way to the promised land. And what do we read about Moses then? God took him and invited him up to the mountaintop for how long? 40 days. Got him away from all that busyness of leading a nation of cranky people. And he spoke and heard the voice of God. Elijah, we know about Elijah's ministry. Elijah needed more than 40 days to recover from his depression as a prophet of God and to rediscover his call to ministry. And God was gracious to meet with him in that still whisper. The Apostle Paul, when he was saved, spent three days in silence after he was blinded. But what's interesting is when you read Galatians 1.17, right after Paul's conversion and he had visited Damascus, where did he go? He went to the desert of Arabia for three years to be taught by Jesus. Then we have the example of Jesus himself. In Mark 6, 31, we read, And he said to them, Come away by yourselves. He's speaking to his disciples. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. And then Mark gives us this parenthetical statement. He says, for there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Because sometimes the busyness of ministry overtakes the soul care of the minister. And Jesus was very faithful in saying, go to the secluded place. He gave his followers the margin needed to rest and be replenished. This command also emphasizes another overlooked aspect of the Lord's ministry. Jesus was not always available. The crowds would often crash in, but he was not always available. He's probably very grateful that he did not live in a cell phone age. In Luke chapter 5, we read this about Jesus. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. So Jesus himself retreated frequently in his ministry as the demands increased. In fact, do you remember the story in I think it's Luke's gospel. Jesus is going through the town. There's crowds around him. There was someone that wanted healing and they just touched his, the hem of his garment and he was, he, she was healed immediately because of her faith. Do you remember what the, the text indicates what happened to Jesus? He felt it like in himself. 
Like the, the demands of ministry and, and the demands of serving people and caring for people, like that was an inner personal energy kind of care thing. And he felt that in his spirit when this person had reached out to touch him. Jesus did not merely retreat to an unoccupied room. He went to unoccupied places. The practice of Jesus stands in glaring contrast to many leaders who fall into unhealthy patterns. As the demands of ministry increases, so does their time increase. And so I think it's good to just follow his example and get away. As we often do in Scripture, we form our thoughts and practices not out of explicit commands alone, but out of examples. We form a theology of what the Scriptures teach in bits and pieces, and we see how God connects it together. We build practice through examples. A sabbatical, then, isn't a command, right? What's being offered isn't a command, thus saith. Paul didn't tell Timothy explicitly, after so much time, do this. Um, But it really is an opportunity for extended Sabbath rest, to hear the voice of God and to know that God is central to it. It's not a vacation. We're not going on a vacation for three months. It's a time for the soul to replenish, and that's really been my aim and focus and planning and praying through this. Sure, we're going to do some things together as a family. Um, I might not even play golf. Serious. I don't want to be upset on my sabbatical. Um, But for me particularly, that means that I will be taking specific time over the summer to slow down in a purposeful way and listen to the voice of God. I know it may sound strange for me to say that, when we talked to our kids about what's happening this summer uh, a couple weeks ago, boy, they did great. We told them, we said, hey, this is what's happening. You can't tell anyone. As far as I know, they didn't tell anyone. If they did tell someone, please let me know because then they'll be grounded for three months. <laughs> um, but when we talked to them about this, this uh, opportunity, you know, we, we, we shared with them, they said, are, are we going to go to church? And we said, we, we are. We're not going to here. We're not coming here to church. Um, but we're not taking a break from God. If anything, we're doing more to kind of support and embolden that. Uh, we'll be visiting some friends in ministry that we haven't seen in a very long time, uh, traveling some to visit family. Um, because this is something that I've never done, I'm, I'm looking forward to the time, but I'm still not exactly sure what to expect. I'm going to be reading books, as I shared, uh, some for fun. I have some biographies I want to read. Um, I, I have some spiritual care books to read, and I also have some kind of pastoral ministry books that I'd like to draw my attention to. I'm looking forward to putting a lot of miles on my bike, um, stopping along the way to listen, to, to God's voice. Um, but I, I, I really do think that the hardest thing in being away is being away from all of you. You know me. My wife knows me. She's even skeptical. She's looking at me like that. Is, um, you know, we're not, we're not stopping relationships. We're just 
reformatting them for a small period of time. Um, I have full confidence in Pastor Dustin and the elders. There's no worry at all. I, I, that part I can go away and just, hey, the ministry's in good hands. It really is. Um, one of the things that I've been learning in this whole process of learning more information is there's something in, that's called systems theory. If you've ever kind of studied it or heard about it, that in organizations, when a leader steps away for a period of time, you get to see who kind of rises up in different ways. And that might be a good thing for us. There might be areas of ministry that just by my doing, I've been kind of stopping or hindering other people from stepping in. And so I might come back and you might just want me to preach now. I, but uh, we, I might come back to a church that, oh, wow, look at these things that we're able to see and do. Um, and I'm excited about that. In the coming weeks, uh, we will have um, the, the numbers for Dustin and, and Rod and, and the elders for you. It, you know, we have elder care groups here at the church. We're going to keep funneling uh, people to that. But I'm going to do my best to go dark um, I'm not going to be on social media. Um, if you see me in the community, I'm not going to ignore you. I, I, I want to talk to you. If you start talking to me about how church went and how the slides were a little slow and the music was this and the met, I'm going to run away though. Um, and I'll be checking in with Rod periodically. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to have in this process is a sabbatical guide. Uh, there's a ministry that we reached out to. Um, there's a gentleman that has been in pastoral care, pastoral ministries for 30 years. Um, he's going to be reaching out to me. We're going to spend some time with him in a smaller retreat fashion um, sometime in June. We're working out the details there. But he'll be checking in with me often about how things are going spiritually. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're doing, but I, I also, um, I also want to encourage you about your own soul care. Um, don't, be, don't be too busy that you don't hear the voice of Jesus. And maybe in this time, it'll be a time for you to slow down. And that's part of why we slow ministry down in the summers, so we're not just so busy with everything else. Give you a break and rest as well but we pray that we can all hear the voice of Jesus clearer and clearer. Let's pray. Father,